Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. I'm speaking today with Jennifer Cohn. I'm so excited to be talking to her, writing for the Bucks County Beacon, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other projects that you're doing. But thank you, Jennifer, and welcome to MindShift Podcast. Thank you for inviting me on your show. I was very excited to hear from you. Yes, we've been following each other on Twitter for a while. You've got a few more followers than me, but you know that's cool. I'm glad to have you on the show because I've been reading your work. You do is it primarily for the Bucks County Beacon? that you write for, or do you do other platforms as well? I have in the past done other platforms. I'd say right now it's primarily with the Bucks County Beacon. I really like the editor there. It works really well for me. And I think they're a small but very respected publication. But I do also post my own work, my own stuff on Medium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I read your work in the Bucks County Beacon, I immediately was struck by the the similarities to what Catherine Stewart has done. And I noticed you sent me an article, I guess it was last night or this morning that you just came out with and you've cited Catherine Stewart. It seems like there is an overlap to that sort of investigative reporting that you're doing into the Christian right, or you call it the Christo-fascist universe. So what what sort of work have you done in terms of getting involved in this in, in this universe? How did you get involved in studying and researching this? So what happened was after the 2016 election, I became very concerned about election security because Mm. that was the election that was attacked by Russia, which did, by the way, attack our election infrastructure. That is beyond dispute. Mm -hmm. Um, The extent to which they did that is the part that we don't really know. But I I, for years, was primarily an election security advocate and writer. And I focused on issues involving the vulnerabilities in our election system with an eye toward addressing them before, for example, the 2020 election. And the Democrats proposed a bill that I I know I had some input, some influence on it because I was told by one of the senators involved with it, what their, um, I was told by a member of their staff who had reached out to me that I had inspired parts of it. So there was a bill called the SAFE Act, and it would have done a lot to make the 2020 election to more secure, including banning internet connectivity because some ban- ballot scanning systems do connect to the internet mm-hmm. and did before the 2016 election, et cetera. And what happened was, is the GOP wanted nothing to do with that bill and they blocked it. And so going into the 2020 election, it really took a lot of... Um, for lack of a better word, chutzpah, for the GOP and Trump to, to run with the idea that because of these vulnerabilities, the election clearly um, was hacked and that it was hacked against Trump somehow because it was the GOP itself that had made the election less secure than it could have been. How ironic. So that was quite infuriating to me. And yeah. for a while, even amidst the big lie, I continued with my election security advocacy thinking, okay, Let's try to make lemonade out of this lemon. They want audits. That's something that 
that claim they want audits at least, right? That's something that experts had long said that we needed. And that was in the bill that was blocked by the GOP. It would have required them not just for the presidential race, but for all of the federal elections. And keep in mind that the GOP had many unexpected uh, victories in federal races in 2020 down the ballot. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, well, maybe we can get them. If nothing else, we could do a standalone bill on election audits and they'll pass it. But unfortunately, the uh, Democrats ran more with sort of a, a technically true but misleading claim that this was the most secure election ever, which I think it was the most secure election ever, but it should have been more secure, but for the GOP blocking right. that bill. Could have been, yeah. Um, right. And so they didn't really want to, I don't think, um, highlight messaging that would then be weaponized by Trump to say, see, they're, they're wanting to secure the election. That must mean that it wasn't secure, which proves I won, right. which of course it doesn't prove you won. So they, anyway, I didn't get any, tra I couldn't get any traction on doing a standalone bill. So I shift, I had to shift gears and I shifted toward the people who spread the big lie, the people who took vulnerabilities that I and others had been warning about for years and tried to get addressed only to have our efforts be, um, blocked by the GOP. I wanted to see who it was that was um, taking those vulnerabilities. So there's that grain of truth, there were vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. mix, and then combining them with a fire hose of falsehoods to um, create this idea that Trump had somehow won the election and to create all of this outrage that resulted in January 6th. So I started going through the people that were spread, had spread a lot of these lies. And I did, um, let's see, I looked at Bannon and I, I did an article for The Independent on Bannon. And I did one on medium for Jack Posobiec, which was based largely on just compiling findings of other journalists, especially Michael Hayden at the Southern Poverty Law Center mm -hmm. on Jack Posobiec, who's like an internet um, Twitter influencer. And then I hit Roger Stone and I ended up stuck on Roger Stone for like four months because he's so much worse than he appears at first blush. He's kind of mm. seems like this caricature cartoon villain no one takes him seriously, but he was heavily involved in the big lie. And he, and I really think that he and Michael Flynn, even more than Steve Bannon, although Steve Bannon helped promote it, but he and Michael Flynn, in my opinion, really led the stop the steal effort. The two, they combined forces, but I even think it started with Roger Stone before Michael Flynn. So mm. I was writing already from 2016 forward, I was going through everything that was involved Roger Stone and his network, which includes Mike Flynn. And I noticed that they had been talking in strange ways of late. So, for example, you had Flynn did that um, on his Reawaken America tour. He did that that speech where he said, we're one nation under God. We need to have only one religion. And people didn't know if he misspoke or what mm -hmm. it was. There was that. And then I saw that Roger Stone had been blathering about a supposed demonic portal above the white, above Biden's white house, which is of course, very bizarre, yeah. right? Yeah. And every, and it's funny and everyone, you know, I thought it was kind of funny and random, but then what happened is another, um, I call it, I guess a pro-democracy activist named Nick Knudsen posted a video of four men at a rally in Georgia in July this year. And, um, the, the video went viral because it was this packed stadium at night. So there were just tons, you could just see the stadium was like bursting with people. And the mm -hmm. men on stage had this giant jumbotron and neon lights, and they were reciting this decree 
that was just, I mean, for lack of a better word, a Christo-fascist decree saying that they had been given legal authority from heaven and hereby exercise that authority. And then they went through like these 10 things and each line they'd start with, whereas we de we decree that this, whereas mm -hmm. we decree that the courts will only will issue rulings that are only biblical, whereas we decree that we will, um, the last, one of the last ones was we decree that we hereby reclaim and exercise influence over the seven mountains. Right. Okay. So, so there you know is your connection. Going. Yeah, I can see where this so is going like, now. Yeah. So you're getting into my territory the now, the theology. Exactly. Of it all. So I'd never heard of the seven mountains. So this is just in July. And I looked in the replies to the tweet, which had 3 million views. Most people expressed horror. Nobody seemed to know who these people were. A guy named Bruce Wilson, who has studied Christian extremism for years, said this is the new apostolic reformation. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And I started researching it and I figured out that they're working with Michael Flynn and to a lesser extent, Roger Stone, although anyone working with Flynn is by definition working with Stone, in my opinion, because they're basically cohorts now. They, mm -hmm. Everything they do is sort of in tandem with each other. And it, yeah, it turned out that Roger Stone, when he gave that little um, the demonic portal talk, he did that on a show called The Elijah List, which is... Um, led by a guy named Steve Schultz, who's a leader in the new apostolic reformation. Mm -hmm. And when Michael Flynn gave his, we need to have only one religion thing. It was during his tour, which at the time might've had a different name, but it's called the reawaken America tour. And I found out that it was sponsored by an organization called charisma news, which was founded by a new apostolic reformation leader named Steve Strang. And the rest is history. So then I thought, oh my God, nobody knows yeah. this. This is like- This is all new and then, information. And, and then I thought, because I guess the fact that they packed that stadium, I, I mean, I knew to an extent about the Christian right and the dangers of them. And I've had been warned about them over the years because it intersects with election security sure. in various ways. But I didn't know that they had that big of a following. And I didn't know, and I knew that people called them dominionists, but I didn't which means basically dominionism, as you know, is is the idea that Christians have a mandate from God to control um, all aspects of society and ultimately the world. And that's yeah. essentially, as I understand it, dominionism. So I knew about I knew that people called the, some of them dominionists, but I didn't think we could prove that that was ultimately their goal. But you can when you listen to this decree, which they recited on stage, the Seven Mountains part essentially acknowledges that and then one the express want the express desire in that decree to destroy the separation of church and state so that courts issue only biblical rulings so that was a game changer for me that this needed to really be bumped up as a priority so i i sort of i i that's when i did a really big piece for the bucks county beacon called underreported and massive theocratic movement joins forces with michael flynn and roger stone and it had to do with the reawaken america tour and all the other connections between MAGA leaders and the new apostolic reformation, which is a dominionist movement. And it pushes something called the seven mountains mandate, which is dominionism. It just breaks it down into seven specific pillars of society over which they strive to achieve that dominion. Mm -hmm. And um, one of them is government. One of the most important and another really important is media. Another really important one is education. And sort of the, the guy that popularized this is a new apostolic reformation abbreviated NAR leader named Lance Wallnow, who I've written about excessively. Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, he's everywhere. Subscribe. Yeah, he's just everywhere. And I remember seeing during the Trump era, Dr. Lance Wallnow, he's some kind of a doctor. I think he got his degree from like the Phoenix uh, University or something like that. But 
He was leading yeah. Bible studies in Congress and in the Senate during the Trump era, teaching senators, congressmen and women on the Seven Mountains mandate, basically saying, look, as Christian politicians, this is what you need to be about. This is your strategy to take dominion, you know, go down these seven mountains and whichever one you're called to or whichever ones, maybe those are the ones over which you need to take dominion. So, yeah, he's he's been around for a few years now. He wrote a book on the Trump Cyrus figure and all that, didn't he? Well, that's right. He saw he believes that Trump was anointed by God, which is extremely dangerous because that essentially means that Trump can do no wrong. And it also mm. means that the election had the um, if he was anointed by God and God wanted him to win reelection, that means that the devil, right? They the, the abbreviated NAR is the new apostolic reformation. Yeah, they um, they expressly call Democrats demonic and they mean it literally that we're supposedly influenced by Satan. And if you believe that Trump was anointed by God and that God wanted him to have a second term, then by definition, in in their belief system, that means that the election had to be have been fraudulent. The election that's showing that Biden won instead, that if God wanted Trump, obviously, you know, there had to have been fraud. And so they start sort of with that premise and already have, I think, compromised critical reasoning skills and, Mm. and a dominionist agenda and you end out with a very dangerous situation, as we saw. Well, look at the logic, because I remember reading an article. It's probably still on the Charisma News website by Dr. C. Peter Wagner, which is another name. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. Dr. Andre Gagne and I, we just did an episode all about sort of the theological backstory, the roots of all these various movements. And Dr. Right. C. Peter Wagner, he was a professor at Fuller Seminary in California, and he was a pivotal figure in actually coming up with the name New Apostolic Reformation Anyway, he died right right before the 2016 election, but he wrote an article in which he stated, basically, look, we need to vote for Trump as Christians. The reason is he's already got dominion over at least three mountains, over media and business, and he will soon have, you know, dominion over the government mountain if he's elected president. So therefore, God has clearly put him in a position of authority and dominion. So that was C. Peter Wagner's logic. You can just see that. So all critical faculties went out the wow. window as far as like wow, Trump's a I have horrible to see that person. Letter. Yeah, it's fascinating. And that's that's why he's arguing that we, or I should say Christians, evangelicals, should vote for Trump because he's already got at least two mountains, if not three, you know. Yeah. And so that's kind of the line of argumentation. That's just crazy. Yeah. And see, yep. Peter Wagner is incredibly important. And in the first piece that I did, um, on this issue, I included some quotes from him because he expressly tied the Seven Mountains mandate to his teachings on Dominion. Mm-hmm. And Lance Wall now is very attuned to public perception, and he's aware that the public is not yet ready to hear about them taking Dominion over the world. Mm-hmm. And so, although within his own circles and even in his own books, he might he uses the phrase Dominion or some or words very similar. Um, publicly he'll pretend he doesn't know what dominionism is and that he's Mm. not a dominionist they'll (laughs) try to come up with their own definition because it's not in the webster's dictionary unfortunately i mean dominion is in the sense that it means control but they'll not in the theological sense like what they mean it yeah yeah they'll just he'll just change what it means and say we're not that but they are and and you can tell because he's a member of the groups established by wagner within this movement Mm-hmm. And Wagner says it is, and it's obvious that it is. In Walnow's own book, um, 
the prelude to chapter two says something it's really it's really express how do we take control of the world we need a strategy and that's how he sees the seven mountains and it has been very strategic for them it really has to get out of the church and invade whatever mountain appeals to them whether it's media or education or government yeah that's exactly right whatever mountain you're called to sort of ascend and in their theology there's a a demonic presence sitting on top of that mountain and that's the spiritual warfare piece you have to go into battle with these demonic forces and that's where there's a there's a whole issue here with apostles and prophets what have you found in that realm i mean obviously as soon as you start discussing the nar you come across apostles and prophets it's like these networks what have you found in connection with this election integrity issue um well what's interesting is you there because a lot of these christian extremist groups like to be secretive they're mm-hmm. a little bit secretive their lists tend to be secretive so although we have older lists which we can see wall now is on the older lists and maybe maybe there's one or two newer lists um i even got pushback on calling him calling wall now a nar apostle from someone who wrote god he he's written for some impressive publication i can't remember which but i think he was pretty much finally put in his place by fred clarkson oh right yeah or maybe not maybe he wasn't (laughs) but but the thing is even um even wagner called wall now an apostle but whatever you want to call him he is an extremist and there certainly are people who pretend or claim maybe they're not they claim that they can predict the future and you know and i think that it, it's and they, they claim that they have a direct line to god and that god speaks to them directly which is of course very dangerous because these people have a lot more followers than I think um, the general public, well, certainly than the general public is aware of, probably oh, yeah. more than I'm aware of. Massive and followers. If, and these followers, if they're already primed to believe whatever these prophets are telling them, if the prophets tell them that this was a stolen election, they are going to believe it. Whether They don't care about evidence. They're already primed to ignore the, you know, the, to, to ignore earthly evidence because they're looking at something that they consider divine and godly. Exactly. So they don't need the evidence. And exactly. I think that's very dangerous. And it doesn't but matter what you, what you do to prove, to disprove otherwise, because during the 2020, the run up to it. And then shortly thereafter, I noticed a lot of these NAR apostles and prophets, they had predicted confidently from God. They said that Donald Trump was going to win and not only win, he was going to beat Joe Biden by a landslide. And they said, God told me this is absolutely going to come to pass. And of course, when it didn't, they all got stuck with egg on their faces. And as we've seen, there's a connection here to, I think, your work, because a lot of these apostles and prophets, they've gone out and said, okay, we weren't wrong. The fact is Trump did win. He actually did win. It was stolen. And the best way to explain that is the big lie. So there's now now we're in your realm. Right. Well, they have a conflict of interest, you know, to put it sort of in legal terms. If they were if they were a judge, they wouldn't be allowed to sit on the case because their reputation Mm -hmm. is now on the line. Their reputation depends on the big lie, on the big lie being true. But yeah, if you go, I guess what really gets me about. Well, there's a lot of things that get get me very concerned about this movement. I mean, number one, that they want to destroy the separation of church and state, which is implicit and dominionism, yeah. right? So, 
And number two, as someone who comes from a Jewish background, I'm very concerned what that means for Jewish people. And it just drives me crazy. I mean, the expectation will be, of course, that Jews must convert. I think they're fine with Jews as long as they're Jews for Jesus. Not literally. It doesn't have to be messianic Jews is, I guess, the phrase. Right. Um, as long as they accept Jesus as their savior, they're fine. With, most of them, not all of them, but many of them are going to be fine with Jews. Um, but if you don't, I think that the plan will be to make um, to make life pretty miserable for anyone who doesn't accept their extreme version of Christianity. And that would include Jews and Muslims and even other Christians who are moderate or progressive. Right. They consider yeah. progressive Christians demonic as well. And I think the idea will be to make life so miserable that at least for the Jews, that they flee to Israel to fulfill that sort of prophecy. Um, and so that concerns me. And then I'm so worried about the LGBTQ community because I mean, they, they, it's not just about, ruling back gay marriage they will want to outlaw homosexuality outlaw mm -hmm. being you know their very existence lgbtq and not not just trans which is bad enough you know we're look, talking about the people who are the most vulnerable in our society they want to outlaw them and, exactly um, and that's it's... just incredible incredibly upsetting to me and you can see that that is their goal because some of them <clears throat> so for example john eastman the attorney mm -hmm. who wanted to overturn the election based on a legal theory that he knew the Supreme Court, including Clarence Thomas, would reject. So he knew it was faulty theory. He is the head of an organization called NOM, the National Organization for Marriage. And he has championed legislation in Africa that outlaws, makes it a crime. And in fact, sometimes homosexuality is, I believe, you can get a life sentence. So it's very scary, I think, for the LGBTQ community. And then it the other be, thing that, yeah. that really scares me about them, though, is, well, is that they rely on deception so much. So they have always wanted to outlaw public education, not outlaw, destroy public education mm -hmm. and replace it with unregulated private Christian schools and unregulated homes Christian homeschooling. Yeah. And they've they succeeded on that. so many levels. Yeah. It's a right. massive network. Right. They don't admit that that's their goal. They've done all these stealth moves by, you know, strangling public schools, not infiltrating government. First of all, the government mountain, they infiltrate it and then they starve the public schools um, so that they don't have enough money. And then they attack the teachers with this uh, manufactured outrage over things like the groomers campaign. Yeah, critical has, race theory. Yeah. And critical race, race theory, which had the effect, by the way, of deflecting from the truly massive pedophilia and sexual abuse scandals that have plagued Christian institutions. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's so ironic. What better way to no, deflect? <laughs> yeah. There is no massive pedophilia scandal plaguing the LGBTQ community. No, it's, it's plaguing in the, the Christian churches, the Southern, Southern Baptist, Baptist denomination. Church. Yeah, 700. And the Catholic that we know Church. Of. Yeah, and Catholic the Mormon Church. Church. Exactly. Jehovah's it Witnesses. Is, it's exploding right now, those yep. scandals, and no one is talking about them politically because politically, those same people in those institutions are instead demonizing the LGBTQ community in public schools as groomers. And it's it's infuriating that it's working. So they rely on this deception because they know that their policies are unpopular. Yep. So they they know at least a few years ago, people would have been horrified about the idea of eliminating public education. So instead they come up with these fake things that deflect from the real things that are going on and they get people to turn against 
the institution itself. And then, sorry, back to your um, your question about the big lie. Yeah. Same exact thing. They um, they relied on either either willful blindness or deception, their own willful blindness or deception, mm-hmm. to sell the big lie. And if you go through it, almost all of the really um, viral debunked lies really began with and were made to go viral by members of this Christo-fascist network. And it's just taken a while to figure out that these people are all part of that network. So for example, Jenna Ellis, um, she's mm-hmm. now in Pennsylvania. She's on Doug Mastriano's campaign, but she worked with Giuliani, totally unqualified to have, you know, represent the president of the United States. Um, but guess what? She studied under Michael Ferris, who's huge in the Christo-fascist movement. Yeah. He's an attorney. Homeschool Legal and... Defense Association. Exactly. Yeah. And she was homeschooled herself. Freedom. Yeah. And he wrote the introduction to her book. And so she's she's very much a part of that world. And yeah, I very think connected. it would be a good guess to think that probably it was Michael Ferris who got her the job. Um, because I, I'm just, I am guessing there though, that's speculation. But mm-hmm. he did also write one of the legal briefs, um, the Texas one, I think it was was Ken Paxton's legal brief trying to overturn the election. That was Michael Ferris, but he Mm -hmm. ghost wrote it. So he's trying to maintain this low profile. And he's also connected to guess who the um, Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Yeah, they're all connected somehow, aren't they? If you trace it back far enough, you'll find... you don't even They're it's all on each other's one boards step. and things. Yeah. It's usually just one step. So, yeah. you know, you always hear you hear um Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows, but nobody connects him to the Christofascist network. And same thing with Jenna Ellis. You know, you I don't know. So and then um so she spread the lie about more than one, I'm sure, but one of the big ones was that she used a chopped up video to falsely suggest that election workers in Georgia had told election observers to go home so that the workers could retrieve counterfeit ballots from under a table. Of course they did. Well, of course not. If you saw the whole video. Right. In context. um, They were unscanned ballots that the workers had themselves put into ballot containers, not suitcases under the table that was shown in the thing. And then they got a phone call from the director of elections asking them to stay longer. Why are you going home? So they had to retrieve those unscanned ballots and keep working. Mm -hmm. And the full video showed that it wasn't counterfeit ballots and suitcases. It's incredibly. I mean, it seems very deliberate. I don't know that she watched the whole video, but they had the whole video. Someone on team Kraken had that whole video. And um, so there's, that's Ellis. Then you have Doug, Doug Mastriano himself, who's running on a BS election integrity platform when he himself spread one of the most viral election lies about the Keystone state, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where he, that he relied on an image that had switched primary and general election data, creating the false impression that more mail ballots had been counted in Pennsylvania than were sent out clearly debunked by Reuters. You can look at the data yourself and see that it reversed, that they had, that the tweet used reversed data from the primary and general election. He's never taken it down. It was retweeted by Trump. It got, at one point it was up to like 50,000 retweets. Wow. So that's Mr. Election Integrity. His transition team includes Frank Ryan. I don't know if he's still in the Pennsylvania legislature, but he was a, a CPA who should know better who originated the false viral claim also parroted by Trump that Pennsylvania had more votes than voters. And that claim turned out to be based on incomplete 
data, not all of the voters, I get voters had been entered into the system, mm -hmm. but they also did a comparison with a system called Shore. And so this one is like a gift that keeps on giving because even after the data was all updated, you had people, you know, on Fox and part of this Christ of fascist network saying, see, they still don't match. They still don't match. But the reason they still don't match is that the Shore system is a system that has nothing. It's not meant to, um, it's not meant to tabulate the same information as, as how many people voted on election mm -hmm. day. What it does is it takes, is it, it updates the system continually as um, voters move and die so that you have, so that campaigns have an updated list from which to do their voter outreach because they right. don't want to do voter outreach to people who've moved or died. So the two are never going to match, but and he's a CPA. And so he's now Mr. Elect on Mr. Election Integrity's transition team. And wow. it's also Christ of fascist. He just uh, tweeted out a congratulations to Alan West, who was until recently the head of the Texas GOP. Who's like, looks like he's in a Halloween costume it's like a white robe with a giant red cross on it. And um, he, I guess he says that he's been, Alan West said he'd been um, invested in the sovereign military order of the Temple of Jerusalem, Knights of Templar. And Frank Ryan welcomed him into their ranks. Wow. But, yeah. it on. We will be right back in just a few minutes with the second half of this conversation between me and Jennifer Cohn. Again, as I mentioned, she writes primarily for the Bucks County Beacon, and I'll put some of the links to some of the articles in the show notes, and we'll talk about at the end of the show how you can follow her, find her work beyond just the Bucks County Beacon stuff that she's doing. And we're going to get into kind of a continuation of the conversation I had just a couple weeks ago with Dr. Andre Gagne. We're going to be talking about dominionism kind of what we talked about with him as a strategy of mobilization christian nationalism some of the major players within the new apostolic reformation or the nar that we've already mentioned these dominionists these guys that are pushing the big lie what's their motivation and it really does go along like i said with the chat that i had last time with dr andre gagne if you haven't heard that one that's a really good dive into the background the sort of theological background of these various streams or iterations of dominionism. And what really fascinates me about her journey is how she came to it through the front door in a way, through this issue of looking at election integrity, election fraud, and of course then who are the people pushing the big lie? A lot of them are these NAR so-called quote-unquote prophets and apostles. So we're going to get more into that in the second half. But I wanted to tell you about what's coming up here in the next few episodes here on MindShift Podcast. It's just about time for us to start our deep dive into Doug Wilson. Is he a misunderstood pastor or is he some sort of destructive cult leader on some sort of scale or spectrum? The next episode that's going to come out is a really long one. It's about two hours. I've already recorded it and it's going to drop in a couple of weeks here. And then following that is going to be an episode with Kate West. And she grew up in the sort of Doug Wilson-inspired household, the deeply patriarchal system, the stay-at-home daughters movement. A lot of his materials would have been prevalent in her homeschooling environment, and she's kind of repudiated that and now speaks out against it. So, so look for that one with Kate West. And then I'm going to be doing another episode on the many scandals attached with Doug Wilson. I'm doing the research on that now with a view to recording that soon. Then I've got an episode coming out with David Johnson. We're talking about this whole issue of a Christian defense or biblical defense of slavery. 
And that again relates to Doug Wilson. And then if there's enough interest, I'm going to do another episode on Doug Wilson's booklet, which he came out with, uh, co-wrote with Stephen Wilkins of the League of the South back in 1996 called Southern Slavery as it was. I've done a lot of research on that, something called the Theological War Thesis. So let me know if you want to go into that one. We can do another long episode on Doug Wilson. And we're also going to get into probably the last episode on him is this issue of the bros that are in his orbit, the sort of dude bros, the bearded guys that are into the biblical patriarchy movement, sort of the second generation now that he's getting a bit older. He's passing the torch along to a whole another series of pastors who are spreading his toxic biblical patriarchy message far and wide. So he's had a lot of influences in a lot of realms. So we're doing a lot of stuff on Doug Wilson. And I'm already getting some pushback on Twitter, just tweeting out some things about Doug Wilson. So that's kind of interesting. Some of his followers are seriously like rabidly defending him. So look for some of those coming out too. So that's what's coming up. And then it's not too late as this episode drops. We've got our very last mind shift Zoom call of 2022 on the 20th of November, we're going to be having Bruce Gehring, sir. He was a recent guest on the show just a few episodes ago. He's an ex-independent fundamental Baptist pastor now out of Ohio. He's got a fantastic story to tell. If you haven't heard that episode, you need to go back and catch it. Kind of off the back of the one I did with Dave Warnock, two ex-pastors talking about their life stories and their experiences. So we're going to have Bruce drop in for our final Zoom call. How can you access that call with Bruce? You can become a member of the Patreon community. You can support the show. And speaking of which, I wanted to give a big thank you to Douglas Olds. He's the latest member of the MindShift Podcast Patreon community. So thank you, Douglas, for your support, as well as Roz Galetto from Australia. So thank you for your support of the show. And if you want to learn how, you can become a member of the MindShift Podcast Patreon community. I will put the links in the show notes, as always. And you can join our closed Mindship Podcast Facebook group and get access to those calls. All right, let's get on back into the second half of the conversation here with Jennifer Cohn as we continue to look at this issue of the big lie and the new apostolic reformation, a Christo-fascist network. It goes on and on, I know, because you start researching one person and like we say, they're connected to some network and they sit on each other's boards and they speak at each other's conferences. Well, and like you said, talking about election integrity, look at how corrosive the big lie has been. It hasn't gone away in two years, two plus years. I mean, Trump was even talking about it in the run up to the 2016 election, wasn't he saying things like, you know, I'm going to win unless it's rigged, of course. And then it's, uh, you know, if we know it's a rigged system. He was saying things like that years ago. And now with the midterms coming up, there's all these poll watchers that are trying to intimidate people to not vote or whatever. So it's it's such a corrosive thing, isn't it? Well, it's very corrosive. But I, what I think that the public deserves to know is it is that it is almost um, to a T these religious zealots. Exactly. You know, the, Who's the, back of a lot Christian of this? Taliban. I know that some people don't like that phrase, but I really don't know of an analogy that applies better. Christian ISIS, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, those are the people who are promoting this. So you even have Russ Ramsland, who's the disgraced supposed expert from that allied security operations group, which is tied to Michael Flynn. He's the guy who submitted a court affidavit that switched Michigan and Minnesota data to make it look like Michigan. Well, I don't know that that was his intent, but that's what it, I don't know that he intended to lie. I can't prove that, right. but the, it had the effect of suggesting a massive irregularity in Michigan, and he's in the Council for National Policy, which is a 
um, Ann Nelson wrote a whole book about them called Shadow Network. It's a, another, it's a, an umbrella group for Christian, the Christian right and billionaires. And, um, and it's been around a long time the early 1980s, I think. It's it's been yeah. around for decades. Yeah, it's one of the early groups that was founded in the in the sort of beginning movement of the Christian right, coming out of things like the Moral Majority and other things. So yeah, the CNP has been doing a lot of stuff, and they're very secretive. We didn't even know even now. I'm not sure we know who all is a member of it. They've been super secretive about their membership list, haven't they? We right, Brent Allpress at I think he is with at it's documented. Um, but in any event, Brent Allpress, who's on Twitter, he's done a great job of obtaining somehow and publishing CNP lists. He actually has one, a fairly recent one from uh, January 2022. So you can yeah, see it like Ali Alexander has been there. a member and Charlie yeah. Kirk, who did buses to the Capitol, has been a member. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Michael Flynn even had, I don't know if he's on the membership list officially, but he is some kind of um, volunteer. He, he did something official with the CNP. Jenny Thomas, um, CNP. Mike Lindell, I don't know if he's CNP, but he's with The Family, which is that terrifying Netflix series produced by, and books, two books also uh, written by Jeff Charlotte, mm -hmm. which is um, very much a very secretive Christo-fascist, all yes. about power. Yeah, it's a dominionist organization. organization. It really They're the ones who host the prayer breakfast. And that's the Jonathan Larson connection, isn't it? Somehow he was able exactly. to obtain a, a guest list and some of the donors lists of some of these family-sponsored events. And he's been doing a huge amount of work uncovering who's invited and who's invited whom to these events. And I think that was basically his argument was that they went after Mike Lindell looking at him like a whale basically and he, he was radicalized really by people from the family and since that time he's just gone completely out in left field pushing the big lie and, and he's got all this you know well, social exactly. media networks and everything yeah he was vulnerable because he's a he said he's a recovering crack cocaine exactly addict. and he happens so to be a billionaire <laughs> And you happen to be a millionaire and yeah. they prey on these vulnerable people. Oftentimes it's also people who embezzlers convicted, you know, mm -hmm. felons. they prey on them because they say, we will love you as long as you declare your love for Jesus, then you're one of us and we accept exactly. you. And it gives them a, a doorway back into respectability, I suppose. Yep. And, and I mean, yeah, Mike Lindell did some pretty horrible things. I think he, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but he did some pretty horrible things that I've read about. Yeah. And yet the family now has, you know, welcomed them into their warm Christo-fascist embrace. And that's pretty intoxicating. He came out and claimed to have absolute proof in the form of internet packet captures mm. that China had hacked the election and his own expert called later on said, all right, I'm out. I've had enough. Those, yeah, those this is a bridge too they're far. A turd. <laughs> yeah. those, they're a turd. And it wasn't just him. It was also independent experts. Um, right. he, so Lindell had promised, he lured all of these experts to come to his big uh, symposium. Yeah, it was supposed to be a big expose, wasn't it? That fell flat. It, he's never produced he the he, goods. He never produced the the goods. He never produced the PCAPs, no, because, I been... gather, because he figured out that or he was told they, his experts were going to expose them as being turds. They yeah, were not exactly. what he claimed that they were. So it, yeah. I, I don't know. I just I think there's a connective tissue between seemingly random people coming forward, all actually not being random. They all knew each other before. Let me put it that way. Yeah. They all knew each other. 
including the, Joel yeah. Osteen, the guy who started the whole, um, you know, I was on an Antifa call with a guy at Dominion, Christ of Fascist, same, same mm-hmm. freaking network. They all knew each other. Exactly. They're, and they're all related on these Zoom calls like you talked about, because I read an article recently there was a deleted call, speaking of Bruce Wilson, and he was able to oh, download right. it. You probably saw this on Twitter. I don't know how he did yeah. it, but he saved Freaking this brilliant. call. And basically, Doug Mastriano out of Pennsylvania praised this prayer, which is just absolutely laden with all this dominionist spiritual warfare language. And he breaks it down. There's an article about it and kind of explains what what is you know Mastriano talking about and it's everything we're mentioning here he he can speak the language and he's denied that he's a dominionist and he's affiliated with any of these people but his language says otherwise doesn't it yeah he, i don't think he can deny anymore that he's affiliated with exactly the, with the nar because there is a woman who although she's scrubbed the, some of the re- key references from her internet um website and stuff but it was already it was already archived. There's a woman named Abby Abeldness who works in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania Prayer Caucus, who is an, I mean, she said on her Amazon book, like the the biography part of her book said that she, her job is to spread the prayer networks of Cindy Jacobs and Mm -hmm. John Bonifield, who are both recognized apostles in the new apostolic reformation. And she even said that she was um, commissioned as an apostle by John Bonifield. So yeah, Mastriano and Abby Abledness have done multiple events together. Um, I don't mean they just both showed up, like they had, you know, they they that was planned and orchestrated. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, they can't really say that. There's another there's another connection to this NAR that I really want to point out um with January 6th, which is that you know how everyone said that it was sort of this last second thing that Trump um that it wasn't a pre-existing plan to to breach the barriers. Mm-hmm. Um well, it's just not true. The map for January 6th that was widely spread among these networks, in part by uh, Steve Bannon's War Room and even by the Oath Keepers leader, Stuart Rhodes and others, mm-hmm. it was created by a woman named Mercedes Sparks who did a whole video on it. And it said specifically, we need to, we must take to the US Capitol steps. Those were off limits and there were barriers all around the Capitol to keep you from getting that far. And not only that, she said they expected 3 million people. So this woman, who, by the way, is the VP of operations for NAR leader Lance Wallnow. Who we've oh, talked there about. he is again. I mean, she was thinking that they were going to send 3 million people to the Capitol steps. Wow. You know, um, to me, that's a huge deal. It shows advanced knowledge that they plan to breach the barriers or certainly implies it. Maybe she didn't mm. know there would be barriers. I don't know. But in the same video, she talked about her friend, Steve, who I figured out was, um, that does our shows is what she says. So, cause she and Lance wall now do all these shows together, these, you know, NAR shows, Christo fascist shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out it's this guy named Steve Brown, who's deeply embedded into the network is into the Christo fascist network too. And he, uh, he was on the permits for both the Jericho here, the church roar rally in December, 2020 right. and on the one nation under God, permit for january 6th and according to mercedes sparks he was helping with all of the events for january 6th so and that's it all so comes it's back around to the, it's all the it's it is largely the new apostolic reformation but it's even a little bigger than that it's the family and you know it's it's their networks it is um, well how much of it, our, yeah how much of it do you find another thread we haven't talked about and that's christian nationalism 
because when I was looking at the January 6th insurrection, I did a couple of episodes on some of the things that I saw in the footage. And that was, there was an intersection of the sort of dominionist piece, the Christian nationalist piece, as well as QAnon. And then you throw in the, like you mentioned, the military aspects of it, the militia groups and things. You've got all these things coming together, and that's all around Trump's big lie as well. How much of the Christian nationalist piece have you seen as well? Um, I feel like the, the unfortunately, because these terms are not dictionary terms, that mm. people define them a little differently. And so Christian sure. nationalism, I've seen some people, I saw a recent piece that really equated it with dominionism. They just said it's the same thing. Um, to me, I prefer dominionism because I think it's more clear. It is. You could, yeah. that, you could say that Christian nationalism, I've also seen that just defined as to mean that you think that we're a Christian nation, which is a little ambiguous as to the fallout from that. Right. Does that mean, you know, if you just want to say that, maybe some people are okay with that. Now, if you're talking about destroying the separation of church and state, and suddenly we have morality, police, and gay people yeah. are handmaid's illegal. tale. Yeah, gay people are illegal. And, you know, even if you're going to die without an abortion, you can't get one. That's different. Um, and so I pref I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I feel like if you're a dominionist, you're by definition a Christian nationalist. You probably but are. Yeah. Well, the, they the are interconnected. Element, yeah. The militia element certainly connects to these groups. And one of the ways they connect is through the Black Robe Regiment, yes. which I also have written about which is essentially a group of, in my mind, insane pastors who um, they they take a vow to, well, the myth is that that in the, oh gosh, I'm going to screw up the myth. I think it's during the American Revolution. The idea is that these pastors supposedly took up arms and fought. Um, yes, they were like that's, fighting that's, pastors. Right. And it's popular. The myth is popularized. There's an, an elements of it that are not true. And it, the myth, the mythical parts of it have been popularized by a guy named David Barton, who's, you know, a seven mountains. Proponent. Yes. I was going to bring probably him up. Our, yeah, he's he, probably he's the biggest. The, yeah. One of the biggest proponents of Christian nationalism for sure. Uh, and he's tied and the, into these networks as well. Well, he's definitely one of the biggest proponents of destroying the separation of church and state. Yeah. He says that they were never meant to be separate. And he seems to be some kind of a thought leader because he, couches anything and like um pseudo intellectualism pseudo history historianism <laughs> in yeah. any event he um so yeah he's kind of a big guy but the the so the black robe regiment um there are multiple groups because it's really a movement i guess it's the black robe regiment movement so there mm -hmm. are going to be multiple groups that call themselves the black robe regiment one of the biggest ones is called america's black robe regiment and that one partnered expressly with I mean, I don't know if they use the word partnered, but Michael Flynn commissioned new members into it during his Reawaken America tour um, in at least two stops, including Pennsylvania recently. Um, and I tried to, I warned about it in advance and nobody really picked up the story. I don't know why. Because yes. I thought it was a big deal. They partnered, this, that particular regiment um, had on its website, if you go back, not anymore, but if you go back to the archives, they partnered with the Oath Keepers in 2021. And yes, they were there on January 6th. There was a presence. And there's another black robe regiment group that has ties to uh roger stone well and we're seeing we're seeing an increasing marriage i guess you could call it or maybe a marriage of convenience between the christian right and the alt right that's another piece that's been that's you know to add to what you were saying this is something that mm -hmm. came out during the trump era wasn't it that you see this embrace of militia groups by the christian right you know they have the oath keepers and proud boys showing up at these prayer events you know and you're like 
what the hell, you know, what's going exactly. on here? But this is all part and parcel of this movement. Well, that's always the danger is of, um, of religion is it lets you, it, it lets you whitewash really terrible behavior just because yeah. as soon, if you say Jesus enough and that, you know, you've been saved, that's what Roger Stone is running around doing, but that's what slave owners did Yeah. Um, in the South. They all were good Christians and that's what they do to that. That's a very convenient way of making crimes against humanity seem godly um, yeah. to sell it to people. Exactly. But, well, but yeah, Go ahead. I was going to say the the Christian nationalist piece, as I understand it, there is a difference between the dominionist angle and the Christian nationalism. This is something I picked up from Andre Gagne, and he said that mm -hmm. you have to look at dominionism is the strategy of mobilization. The Christian nationalism piece is is essential because if if America was a Christian nation originally has strayed from that path and needs to become one again, how do we go about making america christian again and the answer is the strategy of dominion taking dominion when we do those seven mountains or whichever strategy you 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 use then you have arrived at the christian nationalist platform and that's their strategy that's one way to see it i think that was kind of a helpful way for me to distinguish between dominionism and actual christian nationalism if that makes any sense it does. That's a good way to describe it. One is more yeah. of an action and it is much more, but it is still more specific. That's the dominionism part. Yeah. That's the strategy. I I th which I think is why it's more useful. So now you even see, I mean, one thing that the far right is very good at is normalizing um, terminology. So now they're embracing the Christian nationalist label and you can see with Lance Wall now to use a you know, he's a flip-flopper on this issue. Mm -hmm. There was a video of him where he literally said, you know, from a year or two ago, he said, yes, I'm a Christian nationalist. And then you had him after a recent Rolling Stone piece freaking out and saying, I'm not a Christian nationalist. What is Christian yeah, nationalism? I never <laughs> said that. Never heard of it. Yeah, but what the hell is Christian nationalism? Yeah, and then what? you have after the, um, was it NPR did the piece on Michael Flynn's Reawaken America tour using the phrase Christian nationalism. And so Flynn comes out and says that he, Flynn, I guess I am a Christian nationalist. And suddenly Walno goes, woohoo, we're all Christian nationalists. So now <laughs> right. he's, I guess it's okay. Know, which, which is why, um, and apparently there was some, I don't know who did the poll, but there was some poll that showed 45% of Americans are okay with America being a Christian nation or, um, so they're normalizing Christian nationalism, but oh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think enough people understand that what that means. And to understand it, you have to have talk about dominionism. Exactly. Well, I think that's why I would point people to Perry and Whitehead's book, Taking America Back for God, because they showed through, you know, comprehensive surveys, surveys of religion, that Christian nationalism was the number one driver for white evangelicals voting for Trump in 2016. And that's been proven statistically, you know, by survey questions. So it's it's a huge driver. It's like it's in the groundwater of evangelicalism. They just kind of assume, oh yeah, of course America was a Christian nation and we're not one anymore, but we need to become one again. So they're prime for strategies like Dominion. So when a guy from the Family Research Council shows up to your church and it's a it's a get out the vote sort of drive, they start using Seven Mountains Mandate language. This is what you need to do as a person in the pew. You go out and take dominion over that mountain of your business or your, if you're a teacher, that's the mountain you're called to is education or media or arts or whatever, or government. And it's your particular strategy. And they're using it now as a mobilization strategy as well. 
Well, I think that's right. And the Christian, you know, evangelicals anyway, um, have extremely high turnout. So even though I read that, even though they're only about 13% of the population, they have about 26% turnout. And part of that Mm. is they do have this, um, my most recent article is a, is largely about that. There's the United in purpose is a seven mountains, really nonprofit that that is their express goal Mm -hmm. started by a embezzler who discovered probably the family or something adjacent, you know, so he, he found his way back into respectability and it's this very shady organization that is basically a Christian Cambridge Analytica, um, complete with leaking 191 million voter data files conveniently in 2015 that landed on a Russian server. So it's I'm sure um, it was coincidence. It has to I'm be sure Jennifer. A, <laughs> None of that was planned, <laughs> but there is one thing I want to talk about, which is the white nationalism versus Christian nationalism. Right. It's, it's, it's not as, a lot of people want to say that it, this is all about um, Christian nationalism is really white nationalism. And I think there is an element of that, but there has been, and we would be remiss to overlook the significant outreach that they're doing to bl- the black community and to the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the proud boys. Um, it reminds me of that in the sense that they are absolute, almost all, to almost all Christian nationalists are willing to uh, join forces with, white nationalists. They may not personally harbor these um, these prejudices. Not every one of them hates black people or hates Hispanic people or, you know, but they are, they are willing to sell them down the river mm-hmm. in order to acquire power. And so that's where you have the um, really Nick Fuentes, who has his Groypers movement. It's called America First. I didn't yeah. know even know I knew him as a white nationalist. I didn't even know he was a Christian nationalist until oh, yeah. like a few months ago. And that he joined forces with the Jericho March and you know they they lift the wooden cross yeah. during the Jericho March. That was his Groypers. And Marjorie Taylor Green has made sure to, you know, she's sort of been the designated, I don't know what emissary who went to his yeah. conference spokesperson. To make sure that because he can turn out a frightening crowd. Oh, and huge numbers. Yeah. Yep. And there was an interesting thing on him. And so, yeah. yeah. She may not hate black people or Jews or whatever. I mean, she's probably does, but I, I don't know what, what she hates. Regardless, though, she is willing. And even Ali Alexander, you know, who does not have white skin, was mm-hmm. willing to join forces with racists. And he said that expressly. And by the way, Ali Alexander is a complete Christian zealot, a Catholic. They call yeah. themselves the radical traditional catholics rad radcath or radcath something like that um that's steve bannon is sort of in charge of that the christian um extremists yeah i I came across nick fuentes about maybe six or eight yeah six or eight months ago there was a thing here in the uk uh louis theroux he did a documentary on him and not just him but christian nationalist extremists this new rising movement in America. And I'm like, what the hell, you know, what's going on? He's got a huge, massive following and he just rants and everything. And yeah, so that's another element we have to watch out for. Well, I know you probably got to get going. We're getting close to an hour. The question I guess I have is now you've done all this research, you're doing more and more work. Where do you see this movement going? Because one of the things Andre Gagne said, he said, look, let's just be honest. They're, they're not going away. They're not going away anytime no. soon. Where do you see this thing ending up? What's their end game? Well, their end game is dominionism mm. and not just in the U.S. It's it's for the world. And they do work with Russia, by the way, a lot of maybe not all of them, but certainly there is that's through the World Congress of Families. Um, 
I don't, yeah, they're definitely not going away. And I would say that the, it's really key to warn the majority of the public about them so that they vote accordingly before, you know, tomorrow, for example. Mm. And in the 2024 election, we're really in a race against time because this is an information war and they've created these information bubbles and they really truly rely on deception to, um, to uh, to move the country toward dominionism and they're not using that word and most of the public doesn't know that that is the end game and Mm -hmm. what that would mean for them and i think it's really a challenge for the media to get ahead of that and that's what we've got to just continue to try to do regardless of how this election goes tomorrow it's true i mean i'm I'm grateful for people like yourself who are doing the hard work the hard you said before we hit record that doing that last article literally like made you sick it was just it takes a huge toll on us doesn't it to do all this work and research doesn't it but it is it worth does. it if we're if we can educate people and we said before we hit record too the frightening aspect of all of this certainly the maga side of it the trumpism and all that it's got a lot of cult like or cultish elements maybe amanda marcotte would say it's cultish and so that's another piece we didn't really get into, but that's a concern as well, surely, isn't it? Well, it is. And I'd say that MAGA, I, I would say that this, these religious zealots have completely infiltrated the MAGA movement, yeah. um, even though Trump himself obviously probably doesn't believe in God. He's, you know, he's, no, he's happy no to Christian. have them. He's happy to have these people worship him as having been chosen by God. And mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd say those two have been really fused together. And there are other, obviously, fringe elements, but almost all of them claim to have this, these or have these really extreme Christian views that are sort of the flip side. I mean, that's really the great irony is there was a rule against, um, against breaching, against getting too close to the Capitol after 9-11 when we had Islamic extremists attack the United mm-hmm. States. And what you had, unfortunately, on January 6th was really Christian extremists um, breaching those barriers and wanting to take those steps. And so it's, to a very large extent, the flip side of the same coin. And it's, I'd say extremism, no matter which religion it comes from, leads to no good. It's very dangerous. It's true. Yeah. Fundamentalism or extremism. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, you go back in your article in the Bucks County Beacon, there's a picture I thought was really interesting. Someone took a picture of the the flyer that they held a meeting at the, I think it was Trump tower. It was held on June 21st, 2016 with Donald Trump and Ben Carson. It was about a thousand evangelicals there. And you just look at some of the speakers and some of the topics, you know, state of the country, George Barna, Christian mobilization, Ralph Reed. I mean, these are big names in the, on the Christian right, the power of unity, Ben Carson, Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, James Robeson, yep. Pastor Carl Lentz, who, of course, now has been disgraced of Hillsong's New York, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council, Eric Metaxas, you know, and so the, these guys yeah, were who, doing this ho- in Metaxas, 2016. Um, sorry, yeah, Metaxas hosted that Jericho March here, exactly. the church rally. Yeah, and Ben Carson is an interesting one. The reason I, I had been wanting to write about the United in Purpose um, data mining the christian cambridge analytica group for a while but it's kind of hard because it wasn't really break exactly breaking news in some ways Mm -hmm. but ben carson rallying for mastriano i saw was an opportunity because he's the one who orchestrated um he and and united in purpose that the data the christian cambridge analytica they're the ones who orchestrated that meeting in june 2016 with trump Mm. and it was ben carson and ben carson just rallied with mastriano and everyone dismisses him because 
you know, he seems like he's half asleep and I think he probably is half asleep, <laughs> but he's part, he is part of that network. And he's, I believe the one who recruited, who was designated to recruit Mike Lindell into the family. And he's associated with the family as well. Exactly. So again, it all comes full. So I'm mean, glad, like I said, that people like you are starting to put those connections together or making it more public. How can people find you? What's the best place to get a hold of you on social media? Well, sadly, with it under attack, I pretty much put almost all of my eggs in the Twitter basket. But um, <laughs> right. I'm on now that Musk is taking planning... over. <laughs> yeah, I'm not planning on leaving unless I'm thrown off, which I guess could happen. But it could happen. Or he starts charging you. At... Yeah, at Jenny Cohn one, J E N N Y C O H N one. I will continue writing for the Bucks County Beacon. So you can find me there. You can also find me under Jennifer Cohn on Medium and under Jennifer Cohn on YouTube, which I probably will start using my YouTube channel more, um, partly because of what's happening with Twitter, but also just for a change of pace. Um, and let's see. And I'm also on coffee.com, K O F I.com, if people want to support my work. Right. So there's a multiplicity of ways people can find you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I know you've been struggling with a cold. This article took it out of you, but thank you so much for getting through this interview. I've absolutely been uh, fascinated to talk to you and find out even more about this work. I love the fact that you came at it from the election integrity and that led you into all this other stuff. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. It was really a great conversation. I enjoyed it very much.